morning. This is week two of a series called Upgrade. If you're here for the first time today, thanks for coming, checking out our church. If you'd like to hear week one of this series, just go onto our website, click on resources, and you can follow that to our podcast. Or if you missed last week, you ought to go on and listen to how we kicked off this series last week. What we're talking about is how we can take our wisdom that is most often flawed, most often mistaken, and we can trade that wisdom for God's. I don't know about you, but I've made some really boneheaded decisions throughout my life. Anybody else? Can anybody relate? Of course. I mean, I, I don't intend to make bad decisions. It just seems to happen when I rely more on my wisdom than God. So we're looking at what the Bible has to say about how we can live with God's wisdom and what kind of a destination that will take us to. So we're sharing with you over four weeks Four wisdom principles. Last week's principle, if you're taking notes, write this down, was this. My direction, not my intention, determines my destination. See, we all have places in life where we would like to end up. Places we would like to be when we get down the road in later years or maybe just in a few years. And maybe it's where you'd like to be financially or where you would like to be relationally or where you would like to be physically or spiritually. We all have those, those dreams, those goals, those destinations we want to go to. And we intend on getting there. But then something happens that gets us off track. And many people don't get to the destination they had hoped for. And even worse, the destination God had for them because intentions don't get you there. When I was in school, I can remember that when the semester started, I was a straight A student. I was going to get straight A's. There was not a question in my mind. I am going to get all A's this semester. I'm going to take that grade sheet home and I'm going to show it to my parents and say, look at this. And that was, that was the destination that I wanted. That was my intention. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I really thought I was going to do. But then... Then I would not put in the reading time outside of class. I should. Then I would be up late the night before and think, well, it meets three times a week. You know, I can miss one. What's the big deal? I get the notes from somebody else. And then long about seven or eight weeks into the semester, I'm just like, okay, a C looks really good right now. A C would be awesome. I would be proud of a C at this point. Because my intentions... Might have been good, but it was my actions, my direction that got me to my destination. And you may have intended for life to be going one way, but it's actually going another. How do you prevent that? How do you keep that from happening? Now, some of it we can't control. Sometimes things just happen to us and and we don't have any control over that. Sometimes people do things to us and hurt us. And we have no control, but a lot of our destination is completely within our control. When Jesus was on earth, he made this grand promise to all who would follow him. He was teaching one day and he was telling people, this is what the world will do to you. This is what the world wants to do. Evil wants to do to you. And he said, evil wants to steal, kill 
and destroy. The world wants to steal your joy, kill your hope, and destroy all of your dreams. But in stark contrast to that, Jesus said, but I am here so that you can have life, not just life, but life to the full. That's the destination he has promised all of us. And so our intentions of just wanting to go that direction, those don't lead us to our destination. If we can just let go of our wisdom and receive God's wisdom, we will find ourselves enjoying the full life that Jesus promised. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, please raise your hand. Take one. If you're here for the first time, you'd like to have a Bible, it's yours to keep. If you'd just like to borrow it and use it today as I read from some scriptures in there, you can do that and leave it in the back on your way out. All the scriptures I'll read today are also on the screen. We've been looking at the life of a very wise man. In fact, a man that God referred to as the wisest man who ever lived. His name was King Solomon. And Solomon had a lot to say about wisdom. So when a man who's called the wisest person who ever lived talks, we listen. And here's what he says about wisdom in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. It's pretty simple. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. What he's saying is it doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what the consequences are. Get wisdom. Get understanding. So how do we get it? If it's that important, if, it, if we should pay everything for it, do anything for it, how do we get it? See, because nobody, nobody wants to be in their 50s and think, oh man, I, I, I blew my 40s. Nobody wants to be in their 30s and think, oh, I wish I could go back and do my 20s over again. You can't. Nobody wants to be a, a senior. You only get one chance to be a senior in high school. Well, that's not really true. You, get, you can get another chance if you want, and they'll let you do that. But you only get one first chance. How about that? You get one first chance, one first time to be a, a senior in high school. You get one first marriage. You get one first job. And many times we think, oh, if I could just back up and do that again, I would do it so differently. Wisdom is important because it determines how life goes for us. It determines what life is going to be like. It determines our destination. So wisdom is important. Because when, when time is gone, it's gone. Nobody has a bank account that has hours and days and years banked up that they can use later. See, you, you can be foolish with money and waste it. And you know what? You, you can get another paycheck. So if you, if you messed up over Christmas and spent too much money, you've got 11 months to get it back on track. You can change your spending habits. You can start to save. So when next time Christmas or vacation or something comes around, you actually have money for it, not a credit card. So you can change your actions, and start to save money. Time is not like that. Once time is gone, it's gone. It only goes by once. So wouldn't it be wise 
to minimize regret and maximize life since we only get to go through it one time? I love travel movies. Anybody like travel movies? I'm time travel movies. Like Back to the Future, isn't that awesome? I mean, all of them, it's cool. All, any time travel movie just, graft, just grabs my mind and I want to watch it. I want to see, well, what are they going to go back and do? Or are they going to go back and change? And I think I probably like them so much because there are things in my life, if I could pick a day and go back and live it again, I would say, I want to go back to that day. I want to do that decision over again. And maybe that's why so many people are intrigued with thinking about, oh, if I could just go back and do that again, I would do it so differently. But you can't. So we need wisdom so we can minimize the poor decisions that we make. We're human. We're going to make mistakes and mess up and make stupid decisions. That's just a fact of life. But with God's wisdom, we can minimize those poor decisions and we can minimize the regrets along the way. Because you can't turn back time. When our kids were little, there were so many times in my heart, the thought was, why did we have kids again? This was a lot, a lot quieter and we had a little more money before they came along and we had more freedom and we didn't have to think. Of it. But I never, not, not one time would I look at my girls and say, oh my gosh, I wish we would have never had kids. I wish that would, I mean, they're older now. They're, they're here. They understand. I don't really mean that, but I, I mean, I can, what if I would have said that it would have been etched on their little hearts? Like, wow, dad, you wish you'd have never had kids. Well, that's not true, but just in the heat of the moment, have you ever said something and then you wished, oh boy, I wish I could suck those words back in. I wish I could take that back. You can't unsay something. You can't unsee something. Now you can get forgiveness and there's grace, but it can't be unsaid. It can't be unseen. So it's important that we walk through life with wisdom, God's wisdom, so we can minimize those regrets and not have to say, oh, I wish I'd have never said that to my kids. I wish I'd have never done that. So since time is not renewable, let's not waste any of it. Let's start using God's wisdom instead of ours. See, there's not enough time to dream and wish and hope in that direction, but then make decisions that send me off in a direction where I don't want to end up where that path takes me. So how do you know if you're on the right path? How do you know if you're making the decisions with God's wisdom or yours? This is important to get because if you get lost driving, you might waste a few hours and a little bit of gas. But if you get, if you get lost in life, if you get on the wrong path in life, you could waste a decade. You could waste relationships. You could waste credibility. You could waste integrity. So it's important that we look at these wisdom principles that come from Scripture. So God's wisdom can guide us through life. So here's wisdom principle number two. The decisions I make today determine my future destination. So how do I know that I'm making solid choices today? Now remember, Jesus said, I've come that you can have life and not just life, but a full life, a full life in the future. 
but people tend to get off track. There's, the semester gets rolling and you don't think about your grades anymore. Life gets rolling and you don't think about the damage it might be doing to relationships by the amount of time you work or the lack of communication or the things that you do on the side that nobody knows about. And we get off track. And so when we look at Solomon, who also got off track and then wrote this awesome book of wisdom down in the Old Testament. We look at here's some ways that we can make sure we stay on track. So write this verse down. Proverbs 27 verse 12. It says. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Read it back to me. The prudent see danger and take refuge. That was close. I meant to repeat what I said, but that's okay. We still got through it. The prudent see danger... And take refuge. Now you say that. But the simple keep going and suffer for it. So Solomon is describing one situation, two groups of people. There are the people who are prudent. Prudent throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, throughout the book of Proverbs, just means wise. Okay, so wise people act this way. And simple people, or another word for that, is foolish. So wise people react this way. Foolish people react this way. So one situation, two groups of people, two outcomes. So when the wise person sees danger, what do they do? They think, well, I need to to back up. I need to take a step back. I need to take refuge, as he puts it. But then the foolish person sees danger and says, I'd be all right. I'm just going to keep going. It'll all work out in the end. It's not a big deal. I'm just going to keep going. Two outcomes. One ends up with refuge. The other ends up with consequences. The other ends up with suffering. The other ends up, the foolish end up saying, oh, I just wish I could turn back the clock and do that again. I just wish I could go back to that day, that moment. That instance when I, when the the switch in my mind flipped and I did what I thought I would never do and I just kept going and I kept going and I kept going and now I'm paying consequences I thought I would never have to pay. The prudent is the wise. The prudent is the person who says, "I, I need to think about this first. I need to back up and play this out in my mind where it goes. See, the wise person understands that the choices they make today have consequences on tomorrow. They understand there's a cause and effect. The things I'm doing now and the decisions I'm making and the the way I communicate, the way I act, my conduct, my morals, all of that have bearing on the future. It affects what's coming in life. Here's a great question. This is a quote from somebody else. So if you write it down, don't write Donnie Williams about this. Somebody else said this. In light of my past experience, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do? If we could just own that question, if we could just live that question, in light of my past experience, my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do? See, the wise person, the prudent person understands that the events in life 
are connected. But the simple, the foolish, they're not that way. Today is about today. Tomorrow's about tomorrow. I'm going to do what I want today. I'll worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow. The foolish person doesn't connect the dots. Somehow they think I can have, I can have intention A and I can be on path B and I'll still get to A. I can say I'm going to get straight A's this semester, but I'm going to go out and party. I'm not going to study. I'm going to miss class. And somehow they think that will get them to their intention of having a straight A semester. Some people might say, I want to have A, a healthy marriage, but I'm going to walk B, a path that causes it not to be healthy. And somehow that's going to wind up down the road leading me to a healthy marriage. That doesn't work that way. That's what the foolish do. They don't put things together. I remember years ago I was at a youth rally speaking and this, this girl uh, got up and the, one of the other speakers, he was talking about this girl and he was interviewing her and, and she was in her early 20s and she had had a very tough upbringing. She had every excuse, parents divorced, uh, alcoholism, uh, bad decisions on the parents' part, moved around the country, but she was getting ready to start her PhD work. And she had put her work and put herself all the way through school because she had this vision out there that she wanted to be a teacher and she wanted to get as much education as possible. And she was telling her story and the guy interviewing her was asking this girl in her early 20s, so how did you get to where you've done all of this? You've achieved all of this. And this girl in her early 20s spoke with the wisdom of somebody that's lived a lifetime. She said, when I was in high school and I was tempted to drink with my friends, to do drugs with my friends, to jump in the backseat of the car with my boyfriend, when I was tempted to do all of that, and she said, I was tempted, but I didn't do it because I was thinking of today. I was thinking about my education. I was thinking about my PhD. I was thinking about how God really wanted me to live. See, she was able to connect the future with today. But people who get messed up in all of those areas throughout their life, they're not thinking about the future. They're not thinking, I'm going to drink so I can become an alcoholic. That's what I want to do. They're not thinking that. They're thinking about right then, whatever feeling, whatever rush, whatever fun they perceive. That's what they're thinking about. Nobody says, I'm going to buy this so I can continue to get it really addicted, like buying things so I can have like lots of money on credit cards and just be overburdened with debt and have to worry about everything. I can't be generous. I can't do what I want to do. And that is my plan. That's what I want to do. Nobody plans that. Nobody says, you know what? I'm going to, I really like her or him. And I want to get a little closer to them. Yeah, my, my wife, my husband, they'll understand. It's just a friendship. But it's going to lead to more. That's my plan. Nobody sits down and plans to put themselves through that kind of pain. But that young girl was able to step back. And when she saw danger, she took refuge in the destination. So we would do well to learn from this girl in her early 20s that when we see danger, 
to back up and to take refuge in the promise that Jesus said, I will give you a full life. And then we make decisions today that will lead us to that full life in the future. See, the simple just say, I'm just going to do stupid things with my money, with my morals. And it'll all just work out in the end. But today I want to have fun. I'm going to live it up, spend it up, drink it up, do it up. And then it'll all work out. We'll just get it all figured out down the road. There's a great example in the Old Testament of one of God's wise men who made some really stupid decisions. It's actually the father of King Solomon, who was King David. The David of David and Goliath. The David who wrote the Psalms. He made a really bad decision. And I want to walk you through the story of one of his really bad decisions that led to really bad consequences. See, David had these dreams. David had a dream that he was going to build a temple for God. Because up until that that time when David was king, the, the Jewish nation traveled around. They were nomads. And God w- dwelt in a tent. They built this big tent called the tabernacle and they could take it down, move it, take it down, move it. And David had this dream, I'm going to build a permanent temple for God. And he never got to do it. And a lot of it hinges on this episode we're going to read about in his life. Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. It says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Now that doesn't sound like a big deal, but here's what's happening. David, who is a leader, who's supposed to be leading his army who was supposed to be out doing what kings do, decided, made a decision, I'm just not going to go. They'll be fine without me. And, And it doesn't really seem like it at this point, but he took his mind off of the destination of what he really wanted to do. So we read on. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. Now, David had a couple of opportunities to get off this path. So he didn't go off to war like he was supposed to. He's out on his roof looking around because his palace would have been higher than any other rooftop. And he sees a woman bathing. Now, the wise see danger and take refuge. In other words, they run from it. The, but the But the simple keep going and suffer for it. So David had had a decision to make. Do I keep going or do I run? Guys, just let me tell you. If you see a woman taking a bath in public that's not your wife, go the other way. There's no good that can come from that. There's nothing good for your, nothing will happen good if you're gawking. And ladies, it's the same thing. If for some reason you see a guy in public taking a bath, go the other way. And if you're not married, that goes for everybody. If you see anybody doing that, go the other direction. Nothing but trouble awaits. But David, who was king of a nation, sent sent for her. Her name was Bathsheba. And he said, go find out about her. I really like her. And she comes and spends the night with him. And she ends up pregnant, coming and saying, I'm pregnant. and, And it's you. And not only did he just, 
he didn't stop when he saw her when he should have ran because she was the wife of one of his mighty men, one of his top warriors. And so now he starts devising a scheme to cover it up, kind of like all politicians. So he starts thinking about, how am I going to cover this up? So he thinks, I'm going to bring her husband Uriah home from the front lines. And he's been gone a long time. He'll spend the night with his wife. She'll be pregnant and he'll think it's his and everything's going to be okay. But Uriah was so faithful to his king. He said, king, I'm not going to leave you. And he slept at the front door of the king's palace. And David tried other ways to get he and his wife together. It didn't work. So then David decided, well, I'm going to send him back out on the front lines. And he told the other guys in the army, he said, look, when Uriah gets out there on the front lines by himself, y'all back off so he can be killed. And that's what happened. Now, if David could go back to that day he was standing on the roof, he would say, I'm going to take refuge in the fact that I have this big dream to build this temple for God. I'm going to take refuge in the fact that God has appointed me as a leader from a young boy. I'm going to take refuge in that. I'm going to say no to this and I'm going to turn and walk the other way. If he could go back, that's what he would have done. But he kept going and then he kept going and then he kept going. And he suffered the rest of his life for it. Yes, God forgave him. Yes, he got back into the graces of God. But the consequences lasted throughout his lifetime. This one unwise decision led to another and then another to where he really didn't have any good options. I mean, there were no good options. Once she shows up and says, by the way, I'm going to have a baby and it's yours. There are no good options to get him out of that. Even going and saying, please, Uriah, forgive me. Well, maybe he would have, but that relationship is destroyed forever. No good options exist if you keep walking towards danger. You'll find yourself in a place where there are no good options financially, where there are no good options relationally. There are no good options physically if you just keep going and keep going. What if David had thought, you know, I'm on this rooftop. I should be off at war. There's a nice looking woman in a bath on the roof down below me. But the decisions I make today, they determine my future destination. So I'm going to turn And I'm going to walk the other way. What if David had said that? I think the rooftop would have been different. See, the prudent see danger and they take refuge. But the simple keep going and suffer for it. What if David would have played out in his mind? If I do this, this is where it goes. And what if you would play out in your mind when you're tempted to go down a path that will not lead you to your destination? What if you just go ahead and play that out in your mind? What, what would that pathway look like? If you can learn, the younger you can learn to do this, oh, the better. If you can start to connect the dots and say, if I do this, it could lead that way. If I don't do this, it's going to keep me on the path to my destination. And Really, if you're you young folks, listen to me before it's too late. Start living this way, because if you're in the operating room and your chest has been split open and you're having bypass surgery, it's a little late to start thinking, maybe I'll eat better. Maybe I'll exercise a little bit. If you if you come home and the divorce papers are laying on the table waiting for your signature, it's a little late to start saying, 
you know, honey, maybe we ought to have a date night. Maybe we ought to spend some valuable time together. Maybe I ought to work a little less. It's a little late to start saying that. Or when your kids' cars are packed and they're on their way to college, it's a little late to start saying, you know, maybe we ought to have some daddy-daughter dates. Maybe we ought to have some father-son hangouts. Or some mom-daughter time. Or mom-son time. It's a little late to start thinking that because you can't get in a DeLorean, punch in a date, and go back in time. You can't do it. Once, it, once the clock ticks, it's done. It's a little late when, when bill collectors won't leave you alone to think, you know, we ought to think about our spending habits a little bit. Maybe we ought to start paying our bills instead of getting so in debt that we can't. See, if you get your place, if you get yourself to the place where there are no good options, you didn't run from danger when you should have. You didn't seek refuge in that full life that Christ promises you when you should have. See, when you, when you start to do that, when you start to think, you know, I'm, I'm going to think about my decisions and play them out. You, you do have a to-do list. Here are the things I want to do. Anybody make to-do lists? You just got all these things you're supposed to do? Well, when you start to live the truth of Proverbs 27, you also make a to-don't list. You know, David would have said, don't stand on the roof and watch another woman take a bath. I do not recommend it. So what's your to don't list? Don't work so much. Don't, don't just fill my body and not take care of it and not use it to honor God. And then end up in my fifties. So unhealthy, I'm probably not going to make it into my sixties. Don't do that. Make that a don't. Don't get myself out of shape. Don't eat bad things. Don't make compromise after compromise morally until I'm left with nothing but a big, long line of regret. Now, that's not real encouraging. I mean, I like to end messages on, yeah, let's be encouraged. Because some of you have probably blown it. Some of you have probably really messed up. And when I said the things about health and relationship and kids, it stings a little bit. And you think, oh man, I came to church to feel better, not feel worse. It's true that you can't reverse time. You, you can't go back. You can't go back and have your kids be little. You can't go back and say, I'm not going to mess up financially. You can't go back and say, I'm not going to mess up morally. But you can start right where you are. And whatever that means, you start building the relationships now. If you blew it relationally in the past, whatever relationships you're in right now, start. I can remember distinctly one of the things that made Jesus so appealing to me when I was living in darkness was the truth that is found in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 1. He said, Paul says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're on the wrong path, Let it sting, but just let it sting enough to get you on the right path. To get you on the path to that full life that Jesus promises. Because you don't have to look back and say, regret, regret, pain, regret. You don't have to do that. Because if you're a follower of Christ, the promise of that full life is you don't have to live with guilt. You don't have to live with condemnation. And that's the beauty of using God's wisdom, which God's wisdom is Jesus. We could just have like one sentence on this series. You want the wisdom of God? Get with Jesus and you'll have it. 
That's God's wisdom. So wisdom upgrade principles we're through right now is my direction, not my intention, determines my destination. Wisdom upgrade principle number two, the decisions I make today determine my future destination. The prudent see danger and take refuge. The simple keep going and suffer for it. Which of those two are you going to be? Let's pray. God, thank you for this great piece of wisdom that comes from your word. God, help us to make better decisions and connect the dots that today has bearing on the future. And Father, for those people that felt the sting of regret as I spoke these words today, I pray that would help them get one step closer to living that free, no condemnation life that comes through relationship with Christ. I pray this in his name. Amen.